Amen. So I had to get a couple of new tires uh, this week. I was supposed to get a couple of new tires like a couple of months ago, but you know how that is. Like, yeah, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to it. And um, hey, I got new tires and I didn't crash off of the road. So go me. Um, while I was at the shop, I went to a new shop. Never been there before. And have you ever looked at the, the posters on the tire shop? And it was like, if your tire is unevenly wearing on this side, this is what's wrong with your car. If the outside's more worn than the inside, this is what's wrong with your car. And then vice versa. Well, they do that, like the tire shop makes more money if you don't know what's wearing out your tires. But out of the generosity of their heart, they're saying, hey, if your tires are wearing out prematurely, oh, if your tires are wearing out prematurely, why don't you check these other things? So with your car, there could be a ton of things going wrong. It's prematurely wearing out your tires. And if it wears out in the wrong way, could have a blowout in the middle of the interstate. And it could be a potentially fatal thing, even though that the tire shop makes more money if you wear through your tires quicker. Now, some of us, when we're not paying attention to what's going on with our cars, with our lives, we're fine to just keep wearing it out. I know that there's a problem with my tie rod. I know that there's a problem with my hubs. Who cares? We'll just keep grinding those tires down until we're done. Even though that it costs us way more money, it costs us way more time, and it would be cheaper and easier just to fix the problem as opposed to just dumping money into your tires. Well, we do the exact same thing with our, our own hearts. Instead of taking care of the actual problems, we just handle the, the symptoms of our life. We will just white knuckle through our life and just grin uh, until we have a blowout. And then once we have a blowout, we go fix it with the cheapest solution that can get us back onto the road so that we can get back onto the road to go 90 miles an hour until the next time we have a blowout. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like if you've got a problem with your temper, instead of taking care of the problem of your temper, you just keep apologizing to everybody in your life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, Fix the problem. Fix the problem. But in our lives, the world has created a system of behavior that keeps us worn out. And it's actually um, caused by the devil. So this is a, a verse out of Daniel 7. It's talking about the devil. He says that the devil will speak pompous things or great words against the Most High God. So the devil's like that, that guy in your office that's always griping about the boss. If you're, if you're that person, maybe. So the, the devil will speak great things about the Most High God, and he will seek to wear out the saints of the Most High. Now, the devil does want to kill you, but if he can spend half the effort to just wear you out, you're already out of commission. If he can just get you to unevenly wear, he doesn't have to wait for your entire personality to wear out. If he can rub you ragged in one area of your life, he doesn't have to worry about the rest of, rest of your life. So when we get worn out in those, in those areas, it sabotages us from achieving our goals. So you have a goal to have this great dynasty that comes on after you. Like in a hundred years, we want to, want to have made an impact in this world, right? Like none of us want to go through this life and instantly everybody forgets that we were even here. You have these goals that God has destined you for. God has destined you for these great things, but the enemy will try to wear us out so that we spend all of our time fixing and patching our problems as opposed to getting to our destination, right? Right? 
Okay, so imagine you are going down the road of your life. You're going 90 miles an hour. You're driving with one knee because you're splitting your time between texting your friends and then like in the time that you're not texting your friends, you're trying to shove some food into your life. You're white knuckling through, your car is making some weird noise, but you don't have time to take care of the weird noise, so you just turn the radio up louder and it takes care of the problem. And until all of a sudden, like, you've got something wrong with your tire. You've picked up a nail, you've picked up some shrapnel, or you're unevenly wearing, something's wrong with your tires. Well, how in the world are you going to have the perspective to know what's going on with your tires when you can't even pull over to refill your car? Like we talked the last few weeks about refueling your tank, getting that stuff back into your system. Who has time for that? We're white knuckling on the steering wheel. Uh, you know, we are, we are trying to get somewhere. Well, the only way that you can figure out if you've got a problem with your tire is that, that person to pull up next to you and starts pointing. Have you ever had someone do that? And you just wave at them? No, you've got a problem. Like there's fire shooting out from underneath your carriage, like pull over. So we wave back. Well, the way that we, we figure out how to, that we've got things that are unevenly wearing in our lives is that we have got to get some kind of outside perspective. Because I know that you have a viewpoint of how your interactions go. Like, have you ever had someone get mad at you and you sit there and go, I didn't do anything wrong. They're the idiots. And then later on in life, you think about that situation and go, maybe, just maybe I might have caused that situation a little bit. So the way we get another perspective into our lives is you have got to actually invite people into your life. It doesn't just happen naturally. Like your family will, just not, will not just automatically say, by the way, you need to change your oil. How many times has your car ever changed its own oil? No. How many times has a neighbor come over to your house, stolen your car, changed your oil, and brought it back in a better condition? That stuff doesn't naturally just happen. If you do, that person's a crazy person. You need to stay away from them. That's, that's how the crazies get in. Let me change your own oil. No, you have got to take time out of your day. You've got to take it over to the oil change place. So you've got to go to AutoZone, get all that stuff so you can change your own oil. It doesn't just happen naturally. Express lube. <laughs> Running an amazing deal this week only. Tell your friend. So you have got to invite those people into your lives. We say over and over and over it doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning. You have got to be involved in some kind of small group here at church. You have got to make time, but I'll tell you the dark secret, it doesn't just naturally happen in a small group either. You have got to get along with those people in life and intentionally invite them in to say, hey, here's the thought that I've got rattling around in my head. What do you think? Because as amazing as I am, I am not a mind reader. And I don't know what's rattling around in your head. I don't know what's going on in your heart. You have got to open up your guard and let people in on your life. Don't let crazies in. I promise you, Facebook does not have your best interest in heart. Stop sharing your heart with idiots on Facebook. This is like, this is whatever emotional thing that I've got going on today. That, that uh, website does not care about you. Stop sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with idiots on Facebook. By the way, um, 
we'll move on. I, I can do an entire sermon on the evils of Facebook. I hate that thing. Um, you've got to invite people into your life. You've got to take intentional time out of your day to talk to those people that you have invited into your life about specific things, right? So you got to take time. So I'm driving down the road. There's a couple of things that can happen to my car that can make it wear out before it's time. One of those things is I pick up a nail. So my tires were bald the other week, but they were still fine. Like I was decently stopping in the rain. I mean, it was close enough, as long as I was paying attention, right? Well, there was one tire that was a little bit worse than the other one. So I got up Sunday morning last week, woke up kind of late, so I'm running ragged, and I ran outside, and my good tire was flat. You failed me. And it was this little pin. I mean, it was, a, it was tiny. Like, I have rocks that are stuck in my tire that are bigger than this, and that's the thing that, that made my tire go flat. So I'm sitting here, like, getting all this stuff out, you know, changing my tire. And I'd text Paul. I was like, I'm running late. I'll be right there. He was like, do you need a ride? Like, nope. I'm a man. I can do this. <laughs> it's like a, a Christmas story. Like, time me. So I picked up some shrapnel from the road, and that shrapnel caused my tire to go flat. All right, when we are going through life, there is not one person in this room that's going to escape this life unwounded. Now, we can be big shots, and like Brandon was saying, we cannot ask for help from anybody, but we get hit, we take a bullet, you get rejected, you get your heart broken you see something that God had never intended you to see and it lays a wound on your soul. It might be your, something that happened when you were a kid, your parents fighting. With me, it was clowns. <laughs> something happens when you're a kid or something happens when you're an adult and it hits you. And we never let those things heal up. We just grab the edges of that wound and just try to hold them close together until you get hit somewhere else and then you try to sew that little piece together, but it never really heals. And a wound that never heals gets infected. So imagine that there are scores of people in this room. Every time you run into Walmart, every time you run to the restaurant, we are walking around like Frankenstein's monster, just barely holding things together at the seams. And we don't look healthy. We don't look happy. Have you ever had someone say something to you and you just reacted in the worst way possible? Like, how are you doing? Back off. Like, well, that was an understandable reaction. Well, when you get hurt, you react like that. I, I've done it tons of times. Like, we'll, we'll have an undue amount of shoulder surgeries in the church. And that's my, like, I'll go to pat someone on the back. You say, ugh. Well, that reaction lets me know that you're hurt. Or have you woken up and gotten, like, gotten out of bed in the morning and you start doing the, ooh, you're hurt. And when you're hurt, you react unnaturally. So all of us are walking around with these wounds that we're holding together. And when someone gets a little bit close, it stings. Ah. So we, we pull away from people when they get a little bit too close. Well, at some point in time, you isolate yourself from everybody that's trying to help you. And I want to let you know, like, you've done a good job holding things together so far. But I want to let you know, you don't have to keep the jagged pieces of your life held together anymore. In this room, I don't, I don't know about what your friends are like in the world, but in this room, you don't have to be just fine. You can start letting that guard down and just say, I'm broken and I have been hurt. 
join the crowd because we are the walking wounded on stuff. Allow Jesus to start healing some of that stuff up. And the frustrating thing is he usually takes his time about it because he does it the right way. He's not interested in just slapping some Band-Aid on you. He wants to heal you up in the right way. When Jesus showed up on earth, he showed up at a, basically a church service. He walked into a synagogue and stood up in front of everybody and read a prophecy out of Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus is talking. He has anointed me or he has um, commissioned me to preach the gospel to the poor, the good news, to preach the gospel to the poor to heal up the brokenhearted, to set liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set, liberty, to set to liberty all those that are oppressed. So if any of us fall in any of these categories, if I am poor, if I've ever had my heart broken, if I ever feel like I'm, I'm in captivity, if I've been put in chains, if, have you ever been walking through your life and you feel like you're completely blind? Like your, your wife or your husband asks you like, what are we supposed to do about this? I have no idea. I'm walking through life like I'm completely blind. Or does anybody in this room feel oppressed? Well, it is the mission of the gospel that Jesus is gonna come up to you and set you free from that stuff. That's why we're here. So I pick up shrapnel in my life and I'm holding together the jagged pieces of my life. Well, what else can happen? Well, I start developing distortions about how I see the world around me. I'm going to drop the tire reference because I always hate, I always hate people that manipulate a point to fit, you know, the theme. So forget about the tire for a second. The other way that we wear out prematurely is I go through life and I start believing untruths. I assume somebody else's reaction, like, have you ever like seen someone like have this look on their face and you think, that was about me. Have you ever been in a room and someone like sent a text and they laugh at the text and you think, what'd they say about me? How ridiculous is that? Well, that's one of the things that I deal with. The enemy has tailored a set of lies just for you. It's like he's this, you know, custom artist that has made a perfect set of lies that tailor to you so that you are the only person on earth that can't see it for what it is. Your neighbor can look at the lie that was painted for you and be like, why in the world do you believe that mess? But to your eyes, you don't see it. Has anyone ever seen uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, at the end where he's trying to, to walk out on the invisible bridge? Oh, yeah, spoiler, sorry for the 20-year-old movie. So he, from his perspective, he doesn't see anything there. But then the camera angle shifts just a little bit, and you can see this bridge. We have got to have people in our lives that have a different perspective because the enemy has tailored the lies to obscure their view from you. But he's not able to do that to the person sitting next to you. For, to the person sitting next to you, it's like someone's going to a magician's show and they're standing on stage. If you ever go up to a magician and watch the show from the background, there's no magic in it at all. It's only magic to the people that are in the audience. And so if we can get somebody in our life to say, hey, that thing that you believe, it's the, it's the dumbest thing in the world. But if we never invite people into our lives because we've run from them because they're getting a little bit too close and they're, you know, it's uncomfortable. We go through life thinking everything's fine. Meanwhile, we're falling apart and we're the only ones that don't know it. 
Have you ever noticed that you're the last person to realize that everything's falling apart? You know, like someone comes up to you and it's like, are you okay? Yeah, why? You look rough. Well, forget you too. The problem with me believing lies about myself is that I built them myself. The enemy just offers the ability to believe a lie. But I get that lie in the mail and I assemble it around myself and I build a cage for my own life and I've got the key on the inside. So someone can come up to us and be like, hey, you're believing a lie. But unless we choose to believe that person and use that key, we get trapped. It is the number one thing that we deal with here is someone believing a lie about their situation and they think everybody turns around against them. And you can have an entire church of people saying, we love you. Everybody hates me at the church. Like, you're the only person that believes that. I have seen more saints, not just people that came in like, hey, I think I might try this Christianity thing. People that have been seasoned in the gospel for decades get taken out by this one thing. They start believing lies and they don't trust people to tell them the truth. And when someone starts telling them the truth, they feel attacked. It's like, well, baby, I can't help you. You've got the key on the inside. Have you ever locked your kid in the car? Or has your kid ever locked you out of the car? And it's like, hit the button. Get me out of the car. Hit the button. When we get trapped in the cage of our own lives, baby darling, you got to hit the button. I don't have the key to your cage. I can, tell you, I can tell you where the button is. Hit it. And I promise you, the second that you stop believing that lie and start believing the truth, the cage falls apart around you. But you got to hit that button. And you've got to unlock your phone. Lies. Jesus has come to preach the gospel to the poor. Heal up the brokenhearted, those jagged wounds of your life that you've been hurt, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Not to set you free necessarily, to proclaim liberty. Darling, the door is unlocked. Open the cage to the recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those that are oppressed. Our mental, relational, spiritual, physical health is our own responsibility. Not one person in here is it your job to make sure that my triglyceride levels are at normal places. It's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility to not go through Burger King drive-thru every other day. That's on me. I can't blame Burger King for my high blood pressure. Want to, but at the end of the day, unless I get up, make decisions about my life that affect my future, I'm never going to be in a different place next year than I am this year. And I know it's hard. I know it's so hard to walk through steps of, of health. I know it's so hard to start opening up to people in your small group. I know it's so hard to step out and ask for help on some things. I know it's so hard, but if you want to be in a different place next year than you are right now, you got to take responsibility for your own health. If you are tired about always being frazzled, always being torn to pieces, stop hanging out with idiots. I know it's fun to talk about all the drama at the workplace. I know it's fun to, to bash everybody that's around you. Like, I know that it's fun to talk about that stuff, but it's killing you on the inside. 
And unless you take steps for your own mental, relational, spiritual health, you're never going to be in a different place. So how do we do that? Last point that comprises several points. How do we do that? We invite people and we're vulnerable. You start opening your heart, not to everybody. Good Lord, not to even all the people in this room. Maybe not even to all the people in your small group. I'm not talking about you have to get up and just open up your heart to every idiot on the street. Find the people that you trust. Find the people that are wise. Find your friends and ask for help. And really ask. Don't just go through the motions. Open up your heart. Say, hey, I think that no one loves me. What do you think about that? Well, you're right. No. Just checking if you're paying attention. So the first step is on me. I have got to take responsibility and open up and be vulnerable. The second is how do we help somebody else out? All right, so flip it around. Someone's come up to you and said, hey, I, I'm, I'm killing people on Thursdays. What do I do? And as a normal person, you sit there and go, wow, I wasn't expecting you to confess to murder. Um, what do we do? Well, have, has someone ever opened up to you and said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And all of a sudden you're like, oh God, what? And they just drop a bombshell on you? Hey, I'm leaving my husband. Hey, I'm leaving my wife. We just got ice cream. We spent an hour getting ice cream and you, as we're walking away, you say that you're, you're, you're walking away from your family? The first step is to realize you don't got to solve anything. It is not on your shoulders to fix anybody's problem. You don't have to have some cool solution. You don't have to give wise words, which is pretty good because usually when you ask my opinion on something, I'll go, uh, yep, that seems like a hard problem. Glad it's you, not me. <laughs> you know, like I don't, and, and I say it a lot and I don't mean to be funny. Like when you come to church on the hill, we never promise that we have all the answers. I'm just, I'm just trying to get through life on my own. But we do promise that I will walk through your pain with you. You don't have to fix somebody else's problems and have compassion on them. Don't just go, stop being an idiot. That's not helpful. You know, like the, the thing that I always say is like when you try to teach somebody how to like water ski and they get frustrated Stand up. Oh, thank you. I, I didn't realize that that was the point of the water skiing. It's more complicated than that. Or like when someone's asking your opinion about something, it's easy to get frustrated. You're not dealing with the problem. It's easy to be like, well, just stop eating so much. Thank you. Well, just, have you tried not being crazy? Thank you. I'm working on it. Be humble with your perspective. You are not the king of the universe. You don't have to have the answers to everything. And be compassionate. They're going through something. You're going through something. Like I said, we're all the walking wounded on it. And if we can do those two things, if we can open up our heart and be vulnerable, and if I can be humble and have a little bit of compassion, God does something really amazing. The Holy Spirit moves on us in my brokenness and he jumps from my brokenness over into your brokenness and that process causes healing. I don't know how he does it, but he's really awesome at it. When we are in this relationship with each other, 
we will edify each other. We will build somebody up. We will exhort them and we will comfort them. That's the goal, to edify, to exhort, and to comfort, EEC, to edify, to exhort, to comfort, to come alongside, not tell someone where to go, not tell somebody how to run their life, come alongside, build them up, comfort them, encourage them. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that you'll just have to assume that I am not lying to you because I didn't put it in. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. They that prophesy speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That is the definition of prophecy. Prophecy is not like getting Biff Tannen's sports almanac. Prophecy is not telling you who's going to be the president next election. Prophecy is not the foretelling of knowledge. It's this divinely inspired ability for you to come alongside someone, to encourage them, to edify them, to build up their countenance, and to comfort. That's prophecy. That's prophecy. Like, I understand that all of us want to have, like, spiritual superhero abilities and gifts. The Holy Spirit empowers us when we're open, when we're vulnerable, and when we've got compassion to heal up wounds by us encouraging each other. It might seem like the dumbest thing in the world because you hear somebody else's problem, you're like, I can't solve that. But you just being an open, bleeding heart next to somebody, the Holy Spirit is the one that fixes things, right? So as we're gonna uh, leave today, you don't have to fix anybody. But can you just take a second pull your car over to the side of the road and get somebody else to look at your tires? Because I promise you, there is some area of your life that you're worn out. You might not even know the worst areas of your life. You, you might have a couple of ideas, but you don't know all the, like, I've got some perspectives. I have a list on everybody. If you come ask my opinion, I can tell you your worst qualities. It's not true. No one was paying attention on that one. Help somebody out. Share the load. Get around wise people. Stop hanging out with idiots. And I promise you, God has the ability to start healing up the brokenhearted. If you feel captive, God can set you free. If you feel like you're walking through life blind, it is God's intention to bring sight to your eyes, to bring truth to your heart. Amen? Amen. Well, at the end of the rows, we've got little buckets that have uh, communion elements. Hey, Jonathan, could you uh, bring that bucket up to me? Thank you. Grab, you. grab you one, Jonathan. Grab you one. Thank you so much. We're going to receive communion today. Our, uh, our friends from liturgical background, so you know, our, our Lutheran fr- friends, our you know, Catholic brothers and sisters, our Episcopal brothers and sisters, they will always say that we receive communion and Baptists say that we take communion. And I really like the phrase of we receive communion. We share in the table of the Lord. This is not something I'm just like going through a drive-thru and taking my McChicken with ketchup only. Could anyone else use a nap? Do you get, have you gone through this week like, man, can I just sit down for two seconds? Well, there's an area of your heart, there's an area of your mind that you're worn out. You're tired and you need rest. Well, the amazing thing, I mean, not to overly spiritualize things, but Jesus says, come to me. So I'm meek, lowly of spirit. I'll give you rest.
the, the whole reason that the gospel is symbolized by a meal, sharing of bread with each other, a sharing of, uh, of a cup, passing around a cup with each other, is because we're supposed to take this whole gospel thing and we're supposed to add rest into our lives. And Jesus comes to us in that time of rest and he refuels our heart. He pours in uh, freshness into our souls. I always say that it's like a sail that catches fresh wind. But all of that came as a sacrifice. It's easy for us to receive it, but it cost Jesus everything. And God didn't intend to like just wake up one day and like, you know what, I'm going to beat Jesus up. It's been kind of boring up here in heaven. Why don't you go down there and get crucified, Jesus? Nope. Jesus showed up and said, hey, my father is forgiving you of your sins. And we couldn't handle that. Someone said that we were forgiven, and our response is that we killed him. It's like, we don't need any of that peace from God. Cops. Jesus proclaimed peace to our hearts, and the Romans crucified him over it. It did not delight Jesus, or it did not delight the Father to kill his son. But the Father was delighted in you and knew what the knew what the price tag was going to be. He knew our reaction and he showed up anyways. Have you ever tried to restore a relationship and that person bit your head off? Have you ever tried to restore and it's like, I know what I'm about to get into. I love you. And then like a chainsaw fly at your head or something like that. That's what God did to us. He walked into our relationship knowing us to be hateful enemies and he restored that relationship anyway. So Father, we come to you today. God, we're thankful. God, open up our eyes, open up our hearts, God, that we would see the magnitude of the sacrifice that you made for us. God, allow us to supernaturally, not just through the power of my own flesh, but to supernaturally make that sacrifice of restoration for other people in my life, God. God, people that I hold at arm's distance for no reason other than hatred and contempt, Allow us all to be able to forgive easily today, God. Let bygones be bygones, God. Allow a supernatural ability for water to pass under a bridge today. Let me set down that grudge that I've held for generations. Let me bury the hatchet today because we just want to learn from you and you're the one that buried the hatchet first. I didn't convince you to be nice to me. You came and you were kind and generous to me when I spit it back in your face. Teach me how to be like you, Father. Father, we remember the sacrifice that our relationship cost. I never want to take that for granted. My bill was paid by somebody else, God. And I am thankful, God. Set us free from the junk that the enemy keeps us bound in. Open up our eyes. Open up our hearts, God. Lord, let love flow through this place, God to heal up the brokenhearted. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and take the elements. And Paul says that every time that we do that, we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes and rescues us again. This place is not our home. 
This world is not our inheritance. We are waiting for a heavenly city. We are waiting for a heavenly inheritance. So bless you guys, Church on the Hill today. Go out and have a great week. Um, if you have not filled out your uh, deacon nomination forms, there's still some up here. And again, we're putting them in the boxes in the back. And we have got chicken nuggets outside. So go love on somebody. Bless you.